Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And in today's deep dive, we are looking at recapping what my last sermon, which we did on Psalms, Psalm 77, that was a couple weeks ago. I'm already getting confused because we did two Psalms. Psalms 120, the first Psalm of all of the Psalms of Ascent. That's the one we did. And those are really interesting. Um, one of the things that I thought was pretty cool that I didn't mention on Sunday, which was the, the fact that the Song of Ascents comes right after the longest song, the longest chapter in the Bible, which is interesting because obviously we didn't, um, we meaning like, like if I was there, um, Christians uh, did not put in chapter and verse uh, like, well, the you know, original authors didn't put in chapter and verse the way we read them today. That was put in way later for reference purposes and to be able to identify uh, where things are specifically a whole lot easier, which was really cool. But obviously the Psalms are a little different because every Psalm was, every Psalm that you see from one to 150, those were how they were. And so they are divided as the individual songs that were written. Um, and Psalms 119 is the longest of all of the Psalms. And it focuses on the word of God, how great God is. Uh, it talks about how important the truth is. And all of those details are great. And I think, and I do not believe, this is me, I don't believe it's a coincidence that the Psalm, the longest Psalm that reflects on the powerful, amazing, beautiful, life-giving truth of God is then followed by songs of ascent. Again, songs that were meant to, songs that really ascent, meaning these are Christians that are going, Christians in this case, Jews, that were ascending to up the steps of the temple to go worship God or ascending from wherever they were, right? Uh, across the nations, across the world, across from Israel, ascending, really gathering towards Jerusalem for the festivals to worship God. I mean, these songs are psalms of motion. That's why they're called ascent. From, from a lower position to a higher one, really movement towards God. And so here's the truth of God and what it is. But yet here we have the song of ascents that speak of our then, the, the, the power or the really the importance better, of our movement towards the truth, our movement towards God. And it's a movement that's done in faith. And Psalms 120 was uh, was super interesting. I, I'm not gonna lie, as I was prepping for the sermon, I'm looking at this, I'm like, yo, okay, it's short. It's only six, seven verses. I, in my first couple of readings, I'm like, ah, well, I, I think I get it. I mean, okay. But what was super interesting, what was super interesting though, was by the end of it, I was like, wow, this is like becoming one of my favorite Psalms now. Like it was super cool. And that's the amazing thing about God's word is that the more we dig in, the more we get to see who God is. Again, look at Psalms 119. Uh, it's just, whew, it's just so cool. So this one was super interesting because it, uh, as we're talking about our series, like I mentioned in my sermon, we're going from the internal things that give us a life crisis or faith, you know, crisis of faith. Versus the external things and Psalms 170, oh my gosh, I did it again. Psalms 120 talked about how difficult it is and to live in a live in an anti-God world, how difficult it is to live for God in an anti-God world, how to be for peace when people are at war. And this is a, a spiritual warfare that we're dealing with. 
Um, Christians, obviously, we can relate 100% of this because it doesn't change for us. It is not easy to be for Christ and live for Christ in an anti-Christ world, in an anti-Christ system. But you know what? Just the bitterness, like Spurgeon once said, when I read his sermon on this specific Psalm 120, says, you know what? The bitterness of this world is just going to make heaven that much sweeter. It just is. And so there's a couple of things that I just wanted to briefly mention as I was still wrestling with this psalm later, things that I left behind um, just to be able to encourage you, just to giving you a uh, different perspective. Uh, number one, I mean, I was super encouraged and I pray you were super encouraged by having a heart for the lost. I mean, this is what evangelism is all about. Uh, I mean, I know there's a, there's a form of proselytizing, which is a form of evangelism that is just so consumed with um, man, let me just, you know, just let me just get you to believe this. Let me just get you to see this. And it's just so sometimes overly done in a way that kind of turns people off. But you know what? Part of it, this is why when we got to understand that evangelizing is about, is about winning a soul, not winning an argument. And it's not about dispensing information, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to do the transformation. Be, see, I don't care how great or eloquent or how solid your presentation is the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring conviction, revelation, and correction. That's it. It's only the Holy Spirit. So that's super encouraging because I know as I was struggling and we were wrestling with this verse with some friends uh, at, at our church, that's got, you know, that was the point of evangelism came up. It's like saying, well, I'm, I'm afraid of getting it wrong. You know, I'm afraid of evangelizing and telling people about Jesus and then uh, you know, I don't know. It's just uh, because I stunk at it so bad, they're going to suffer in hell forever because it's, it's going to be my fault. And I was like, listen, I get it. I've been there too. I've stupidly, you know, failed to share the gospel because of fear. And, and it was, and this is how selfish I was, you know, which I had to repent of. And I, and I pray you do too, if this is ever your worry is listen, if you are afraid of getting it wrong, then your faith is in the wrong place. Your faith is in yourself. That's why there's fear. You know, perfect love casts out all fear. And so if you are afraid of sharing the gospel because you're afraid of doing it wrong, your faith, okay, is placed, is misplaced. Your faith is misplaced. You put it on you. Like you, you, you're putting the team on your back, all right, that you're going to carry this person across the, the pearly gates. Listen, no. If you're afraid, it's because you've misplaced your faith, number one. Uh, number two, God, this is the thing I want to encourage you with is that we never fail when we're faithful. It's God's word who does it. It's God's word who does it. We never fail when we are faithful. When we faithfully tell people about the love of God, who Jesus is, what he has done, why he had to do it. And the, you know, the cherry on top of it. Why I believe. This is why I believe we never fail when we are faithful. The Holy Spirit does it. And in fact, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he'll give you the words to say in those moments. So you don't have to worry about, you know, as much. Now, does it mean that you don't have to do any study or prep or understanding? No, we're not talking about being casual here. Like, you know, like an NFL player that like, look, I don't got to practice. I just got to show up and just ball. Okay, listen, no, that's not what we do. Christians don't just kind of sit around and do nothing. And then when the opportunity arises, you know, we, we crush it. No, you know, but the point is, the point is that no matter the amount of study you do, we can never study enough. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings the word and gives, encourages us. And sometimes 
you'd be surprised. It could be the littlest thing that you may say that may be the biggest difference because again, it's the spirit, not you. And so guys, I want to encourage you. You never fail when you faithfully proclaim the gospel. And again, faithfully, meaning you are putting your faith, you're telling people why you believe, you're doing it in love, and you're loving the person regardless of their response. Um, that's faithful, okay? And so that's important. But obviously, it could be a little frustrating, right, when we're being faithful. That's kind of the, the, the point of everything. In fact, I want to, let me look for my Bible. I had it here and got it. All right, so let me read from the ESV version of this. Um, the, the key word that we saw that this person was struggling with was when we are for peace, they are for war. And that Hebrew word for war, okay, I'm not going to pronounce it because I do not, I don't know how to pronounce Hebrew and apparently I don't know how to speak English. Um, it means the word for war is actually the same word that means close hand-to-hand -hand combat or intense struggle. So if you've ever seen like those epic back in the day medieval or Lord of the Rings style, like it's like a melee, you know, if you've ever played Super Smash Brothers, right? Uh, for Mario or things like that. It's just this melee, it's just everything is just up close, hand-to-hand, face-to-face, in your face, right? You just feel, you can feel their, their perspiration, right? It, that's what it is. Uh, that's how intense this person his situation is. And sometimes that's how intense it is for us too, right? As believers in Christ and that that happens as well. And so we got to remember, like I said on Sunday, when we are for peace, listen, we're for war as well, but we are not at war with people. That's what uh, we talked about. We are at war with the principalities, with the forces of darkness that have enslaved the people that we're talking to. But there was a verse that I wanted to read in Romans 8, 7, because you need to, if you want to understand and fight the good fight of faith, you need to understand all right, what you're up, up against. And this is the thing is that sinners or in unrepentant Christians, they are enemies of God. They are, they are acting as really combatants. They are at war with God. And they are at war, not in the spirit and in the mind. Look what Paul says in Romans 8, 7. Romans 8, 7, he says this, uh, Romans 8, 6. For, this is 6 and 7. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Okay. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It is at war with God. When our mind is set on the things of this world, where our mind is set on sin and on, on those things, okay, on the flesh, satisfying, gratifying the, the feelings of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, that mind is at war with God. It is hostile towards God. Look at this way. Look how he finishes. It says, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Okay, it cannot. Just think about that. It cannot. These people are at war with God because that is the that is the only mode that they're on. That's the option. Okay, they are at war with God. They cannot submit their minds. They can't do it. And that just then just reflect on that for a moment. If these are how people are who are at war with God, then how did we as believers in Christ submit? If we, my mind. My mind refused to submit to the will of God and it was set on my flesh and set on, on those things and on those desires, gratifying those desires. So then how could I, how did I do it? Yet these people can't. Well, see, that's the point. I didn't. Only Christ did it in me. You know, Christ was able to, I was able to, or my mind was able to submit to the spirit because I was able to submit to the truth. I was confronted with the truth of God his kindness, his love. 
that when I was for peace towards God, God was for war. You know, and that was the kind of the, the point, the biggest point that the author was really Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that author. We have been for war. We have been at war with God since the beginning. And, and we're struggling. And sometimes even as Christians, you know, we'll still struggle a little bit as well. But we, we remember we are confronted, right? Things change. We cannot change ourselves. It is only Christ through the power of the Spirit, through the revelation of who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross that can save us. And that's the key there. That's the key. It just makes salvation that much more of a miracle because we can't do it. And when it has happened, we realize it was God that flipped the switch. So like, I love Pastor Robert Morris's description from Gateway. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm holding a pen if you're watching me on YouTube. If not, you can just imagine just kind of like a lever that's like, you know, you're going to flip a switch. And so here, like a pendulum, you got this and, and you want to, before Christ, let me just start there. Before Christ, your pendulum, your, your switch is default towards sin, default towards the flesh. And you try to get better and you're trying to flip that switch and you're turning it and you're trying, trying, trying. But, okay, we're on default to sin and we're trying to be better. But eventually, boom, it comes right back because that's our default setting. It's like, I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to do better. Nah, I'm going to wild out. It's like, all right, I'm going to be good. 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 Oh, I'm going to take that L. All right. I'm going to be good. I got this. I got this. No, nah, never mind. I don't even want to get this. I want to get this instead. Right? That's kind of what we do. That's our default setting before Christ. But when we submit and we allow the power of the Holy Spirit through what Jesus did for us on the cross, Jesus, well, the Spirit flips the switch, turns it to the other side. And so there's still a struggle, but it's different. The struggle is Bro, I want to just go off on this person right now. I can't believe this person did this. I can't believe this person said that. All right, fine, I'll forgive him. Then the default is there. I'm like, ooh, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I'm, I'm, I'm about to do it. I'm think I'm going to do it. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm straight. And even if we do, see, and if we go all the way and we actually sin and we actually fall through, boom. We come back to say, all right, God, forgive me and come back. And then we, and we return back to God and he sets this right. See, God is the only one who can flip that switch. We can't do it. Paul said it. We, and see, that's the thing, guys, that you need to remember. When you're trying to evangelize and tell people about Jesus, you can't flip the switch for them. Like, there's no amount. You can give a fire hose of information. You could be spitting truth like no tomorrow. All right. And it all be accurate. It can all be accurate. But you, you're you know, how smart you are and, and how well crafted and the analogies, none of that can flip the switch. None of that can do it in your own strength. In fact, Paul says in, let me see, let me show you this verse right now. I've got it right here. Paul says in one of, one of my favorite verses that helps me remember when it comes to preaching on Sundays, First uh, Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. I came to you, brothers, and I didn't proclaim to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Like, I ain't trying to be out here and be fancy, you know, and I'm trying to craft something to convince you. No, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. And it was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my, and my message, if um, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, he's talking to the church right here. He's saying, listen, when I come and when I speak truth, I'm not, I'm, my faith is not in how well I studied or how, how cool my bottom line is or what my analogy is, because it doesn't matter. 
in the end, well, it does matter, but in the end, what does matter is it's the power of God. It's the spirit. It's demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. It is God who's going to flip the switch. God who's going to open your mind so that you can submit it. It is only God. But does that mean, does that mean that, oh, we don't have to worry about studying or we don't have to worry about crafting? Oh, no. I mean, especially, listen, on Sundays, I'm going to be real with you. Like I wrestle with the text every single week because notice he said with fear and trembling with speech and fear and trembling. I make sure to wrestle with that because I don't want to stand condemned before anybody when I preach a message and I'm not preaching and I'm not like living out what I preach. I'm not practicing what I preach. I don't want to stand. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give God more receipts than, than he has, right? And so I wrestle with the text and I wrestle with making sure that what I'm going to say is clear um, I'm not going to just ram, you know, the more you scram, the more you uh, ramble, well, the more you scramble, the more you ramble and the more you ramble, then you can kind of the message can get muddied up and you can lose focus. So, no, I I do my best to wrestle away from everything and, and I'll come up with analogy. I'll come up with a bottom line. But in the end, my faith is not in the bottom line because I do it all through prayer. I'm like saying, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what is it? What can I do? What can I do? And so everything, my whole preparation is bathed in prayer as, as I prep and pray at the same time. And even when I go to preach, my faith is not my outline. My faith, you know, there's, I, I'll deviate from the outline if that needs be, but I come prepared, ready. I was like, all right, God, it's your turn. You do, do your thing. And so that's important, guys. Listen, your faith, you know, the only thing that we can do is uh, speak the truth in love continue to know the truth, right? Be defined by the truth. You and I can only defend the truth to the level we've been defined by it. And that is important, all right? Because see, there's a war for people's souls out there. This ain't a game. And this, this isn't a game for me. It shouldn't be a game for you. And we need to make sure that, that we have that. And so um, the, the last thing that I was gonna bring up with, um, I mean, we talked about how, obviously the, the bottom line was that when it comes to Christ, we have, obviously the struggle is real, okay? The struggle is real living in this world. The struggle is real, but in the end, okay, in the end, we have strength in Christ to sustain us through our struggles, okay? That's the key thing. We have, as Jesus gives us, that's what the author had when he said, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me, meaning he knows, he's on the line, he's aware. I just want to remind you that, that you have in the, that you have through the power of the spirit, again, talking about that, you have strength that will sustain you through your struggles, your struggle to sin, your struggle to even come to God after you've fallen, maybe, and, and repent of, you, of that, your struggle just to keep your composure, all right, to keep your composure in difficult moments when you're dealing with difficult people. God gives us the strength to sustain us throughout our struggles. And if God can free us, right? What did I say we've been saying? If God can save you from your sins, he can sustain your life. If he can save your soul, he can sustain your life. And that was the bottom line. And so um, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know if I, no, I'm being real, I have so many things going on in my head. Um, I know it's like a doctor, right? I think I said that, like, this isn't just a lollipop that you get at the end. Like the, the strength that sustains us is the future reward, which is a crown. But until then we have a cross to bear. And that cross, listen, we don't, we don't bear that cross alone, okay? Jesus was beaten brutally. Jesus was so weak, physically, he could not carry that cross alone. And they had a guy, Simon, bring up, was just, you know, a guy sitting on the side of the road, uh, his African there, they brought him up. And he said, you carry the cross with him. And 
though Jesus was able to bear the weight of our sin, his body was so broken, he couldn't even bear the wood, you know, that was carrying the cross. Guys, I want you to know that there's a similar, similar picture to that as well. Like you and I don't bear this cross alone. And Jesus says, go into all the world. And by the way, I'm going with you. He sustains us personally. All right. And so we have a cross that Christ, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us as our comforter, giving us strength. He helps us to carry our cross. We are not meant to carry this alone. So not only do we have that future reward that comforts us, we have the present reward. Christ is our reward. Knowing him, being loved by him, um, receiving all that he has, that he is our reward. The Holy Spirit in Christ is our reward. Um, I think of, uh, at first I was going to use a different analogy for that. Instead of using the doctor's candy, I was going to use a different kind of candy. You ever heard of uh, now and later's? Uh, now and later's kind of the same comfort, right? Now and later's, when you looked at it, it says, uh, well, first off, it's uh, candy that if you've ever had it, it's a packet with individuals, right? You can have some now and then have some later, right? But when I was looking at it now and later, something that was interesting, which I was like, wow, that's super cool. I'm gonna save that for the deep dive. It was this. Um, the candy, if you've ever had a now and later, the candy starts off very hard and then later starts off, you know, it ends up being soft and chewy, right? You can't bite through a now and later at the beginning. And that's life, right? At the beginning, oh, this is really difficult. This is, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I can, but the more we remain, the more we abide in the love of God, the more he gives us the strength to carry on. And, and it not that it gets easier, but that it gets easier because um, he's there. And that's heaven, right? I mean, we got the, the hard difficulties of earth. And then we got that sweet chewiness that's going to be heaven. And throughout the process, we can enjoy Jesus now and later. And that's what eternal life is, guys. I know for the longest time, and it was like right there in front of me. When you think eternal life as a kid, I always thought, well, eternal life is when I die, I'm going to keep living, which I'm not wrong. But then I read again one time when Jesus says, and this is eternal life in John 16 or 17, it's around there. He says, this is eternal life that they may know you, that God, that they may know you, that we may be one. And when you believe and you put your faith and trust and confidence in Christ, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are one. You have eternal life now. Getting to know God is eternal life. Eternal life is both for now and later. And so, guys, I want to encourage you. Listen, um, I'm not here to tell you that, uh, you know, uh, things are going to get easier or this is the end of the world. Or that. Bro, I don't know. I don't be real. And it's not up to us to know. All we are called to know is why we believe and know that we have a real God that gives us real strength, that really sustains us when the struggle gets real. All right. No matter what that struggle is, God can give you the strength to reject temptation. God can give you the strength to bounce back when you fall for temptation. God is enough. His strength is enough. And listen, it's only going to get to one. In this case, Paul did say it's, it's the struggle is always going to be real. The struggle is always going to be real. Second Timothy, he talks to Timothy and letting him know, bro, okay, in the last days, people are going to be lovers of themselves, all right, lovers of this, lovers of that. They're going to hate. They're not going to be lovers of God. They're going to be lovers of themselves. In essence, bro, this war is going to keep going. And we need to, we, you, you, talking about Timothy, but I'm not talking about to you and to me. We need to be for war, for war in the positive, okay? Not warring against these people. We need a war against the principalities, 
that are at war, that have enslaved these people. When it comes to people, we are for peace. For peace. For those that are against us at war. All right? Those, there's always going to be people who are going to hate God. And they're going to hate his ways. Because their mind is so enslaved, they can't. And I want to encourage you and say, listen. It's only through. Only through Christ who can do it. It's only through Christ, through his power. By you surrendering, submitting to the Lordship of Christ. It's the only way that you can have that, that flipped, you know, that, that switch flipped in you. And so I want to encourage you to make sure. Listen, if there's a part of you that wants to uh, give up. And there's a truth to that. I briefly mentioned that, you know, as, as the end, you know, here when it comes to this person, this person was kind of getting to a point where he felt like maybe giving up. It was like, how much longer do I got to do this? But remembering, okay, it's only temporary. Guys, I want you to know that life is not life is both temporary and eternal. This life is, is temporary. But, you know, you and I are immortal souls that are just living temporarily in these bodies. These bodies are important. And what the reality does matter and what happens in, to our bodies and what we use with our bodies, all that matters. But I, I just want you to know, because I know I've struggled with this one time and it was real. And I know people who do. When you struggle with, um, when the struggle is real and you just want to end it meaning you end your life, you want to commit suicide. That's your way of trying to escape. You think, oh, if I just kill myself, I'll be free. No. See, Jesus was murdered. Jesus was killed so that you can be set free. Jesus was killed and rose from the dead because it is only Jesus now who can kill the very thing inside of you that you hate, the very thing inside of you that is weighing on you, at war with you. For, you may have something at war right now inside of you. Jesus is the only thing that can kill that thing inside of you without killing you. He's the only one who can do it. And you allow it. You, you can allow him to do it when you just put your trust and confidence and, and declare Christ, your faith in Christ as Lord, and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. He can do that. There is something inside of you that needs to die, but it's not you. That's the lie of the enemy. That's the lie of the enemy. Christ can kill the very thing inside of you without having to kill you. And that's the beauty of, and the amazing miracle of who he is. And so I want, guys, I want to encourage you. All right, I want to encourage you, don't give up. All right, don't give up. Instead, give in, give in to God. And if you've given in, now it's time to take a stand. All right, stand. Stand and, and go and let the Lord now shine his light through you, all right, so that we can be for peace, so that others can experience the peace that, all right, those others can experience the peace that Christ has won for us. That's what an evangelist is. That word in the Greek evangelist actually was meant for a runner who was meant to bring good news. And so an evangelist was somebody who ran from the battlefield and would run back to the towns and say, the war is over. We've won. That's what an evangelist would do. He would bring good news. But guys, that's you. You and I, each and every one of us are evangelists. We are called to run throughout this entire world and say, guys, the war is over. Jesus has defeated the enemy. He's defeated sin and death. There is peace now, but we, may sur we must surrender and accept that peace. That's our job. That's our task. All right. To be those kind of revolutionary evangelists who have been marked and sustained by the strength of our God. We don't we don't do nothing on our strength. That's not it. And when we do, we shift back. It's all by God. We have a real God that gives us real strength 
that really sustains us when the struggle gets real. His peace is real. Peace is possible. All right. Peace is possible. And I want to encourage you to receive it. And it's not a thing. It's not a feeling. It's a person. The Prince of Peace. Jesus is the source of all peace. Confess. Receive it. All right. And be made right.